We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Whatever the shoulder habit is, or the foot habit for that matter. But if you settle down into the part of yourself that just perceives the sensation and not even judging the sensation, not even saying, oh, that's uncomfortable or that feels good, but just it tickles or it burns or it, it feels smooth, then that part of your brain is more akin to the type of perception, participatory perception. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture. Today, I've got Mary Bond with me again. Mary has a background that touches on a variety of movement and somatic disciplines and many, many years of practice. We had her on Everyday Acupuncture Show number 20 back in May of this year. And the intention then was to talk about feet and the platform they provide to our structure and movement. But as is so often the case when exploring creative and somewhat out-of-the-box thinking, we followed a different rabbit hole on that show and ended up exploring how the breath brings subtle movement to the spine and the skull and can lead to openings of awareness movement and ease. Today in this Encore interview, we're going to bring the focus back to a conversation on the feet. Mary, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture. Thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be back with you. Yeah, it was a really fun show we did last time, even though it took us uh, a little far afield. Yeah, we we had fun. Yeah, we did. But but um, early, just a few moments ago, you said something about the platform of the feet. Yes. Okay, so that's just that already stimulates me to talk about that's how we think about the feet. Their platforms, right? Mm-hmm. And a plat a platform is. It's a base, it's a foundation, but it's f- flat, and it's a form. And it's usually somewhat immobile when I think of platforms. Exactly. So, in a way, to stand on two feet, we have to have platforms, 
but they can't be immobile. They can't be just a mechanical structure. And in fact, they're not. They have 36 joints. That's a lot of mobility in each foot. 26 bones, 36 joints. That's a lot of capacity to to move and shift and and express the organic nature of this part of the body. And when before we evolved up onto two feet, our feet had to to clasp branches or or clasp the terrain. So there was a certain amount of, I don't want to say gripping, because as soon as I say grip, then people tend to tuck their toes under. And and that, because that toe action of kind of scrunching up the toes is the easiest kind of movement to make with the foot. No, we we know that we have toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the but the idea that the whole foot is a kind of dome-shaped apparatus that could wrap itself around a rock or a tree branch and from there push off and open out and reach then into the next object of security. That's harder to sort of um, wrap your mind around because our feet have been encased in what one of my colleagues calls sensory deprivation chambers. You're talking about shoes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think there's, I mean, on a good day, I would say maybe it's a sensory deprivation chamber. On a bad day, it might be more like a torture chamber think about some shoes I see people wearing. Oh, yes. I just assume that anybody listening to this show, (laughs) which is about alternative health, knows that their five-inch spike heels are for being carried around on a paladin, you know? I mean, that's, for example, what what women did, high-class, high-society women did not walk you know the the streets were muddy. I've jumped I've jumped forward, of course, from the caveman to <laughs> a number of centuries ago, but the streets were muddy and full of sewage. So high class people didn't didn't walk; they were carried or they rode, and so they could have shoes that were decorative. And so that's how that that sort of um, fetish of the shoe as beauty object evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll let you go back to uh, go back to where you started then before I interrupted with uh, what feet were like before this portable sensory deprivation chambers. Yeah, so we have 200,000 nerve endings, something like that, on the soles of our feet. That's a lot of sensory information that can come into our bodies, not just into the feet, but because the feet have this adaptability of m- multiple joints that can be carried upward as I- information throughout the body. So when the foot meets the ground, I'm talking about a barefoot many eons ago, 
that foot would read the pebbles or read the shape of the ground or the quality of the earth. Or it might even be able to feel vibrations of other creatures in the environment. The foot would be extremely sensitive, much more so than ours are. So the, the foot is capable of gathering both information about what's going on in the earth around us, and it's capable of adapting to that through movement. And that movement is translated through the nerves, muscles, fascia, tendons, so on, up through the leg into the pelvis and lower back. So there's a direct relationship between the movements that the foot makes and the locomotion of the body as a whole. So when the foot is able to be adaptable, there's a much greater chance that the rest of the body is adaptable as well. When the foot is used like a hoof, let's say a foot that has a, a very high rigid arch and no mobility in the bones of the midfoot, then the person tends to walk in a side-to-side pattern. So that means the whole body sways side-to-side a little bit in order to take each forward step. Kind of your classic cowboy pose. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. But people who have flat feet, that, that more pronated pattern, those people also waddle side to side. It's a different rhythm, but the foot is also incapable of pushing off and of transmitting the rotary motion, which the foot should have, I'll describe in a moment, but that rotary motion of the foot translates into rotation of the spine all the way up. So let me see if I can explain that a little better. I'm hoping that listeners will remember saddle shoes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I barely remember them. Barely remember. I, I was trying to describe this. It's so real to me, you know, because I had a pair of saddle shoes. But across the middle part of your foot, let's say from, from the place where your shin comes down to to meet your ankle from about there to just uh, at the ends of your metatarsals before your toes begin. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was in a saddle shoe, the shoe was white and the saddle could be either blue or brown depending on the fashion or red, you know, I remember red ones. But if you can think of your foot as, as, as it's kind of like a horse and there's a saddle across the middle of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. at the top, at the back edge of the saddle is a joint called the mid-tarsal joint or sometimes called Chopart's joint. And that joint has surfaces that are slightly rounded between the heel and the, the bones that are just in front of the heel. So when you step into the heel, the next thing that should happen is a very slight inward rotation towards the inside edge of the foot 
across that upper saddle joint, upper saddle shoe joint, <laughs> if I would call it that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a movement then between what's called supination and pronation, very slight. Okay, and so for our listeners, supination and pronation means? Supination means that the foot is resting on the outer edge, kind of resting on the the little toe side of the foot. Mm. Okay. Okay, and pronation would, of the foot would mean that the weight of the body is sinking into the, the what, what is usually called the arch of the foot towards the big toe side of the body. And when, when you let your foot roll into a pronated position, you feel up the inner line of your leg a stress on the inner, inner part of your knee. So that's how... That's a beginning way to feel how what's going on with the foot affects what's going on above. So let's see if I can get back to this pronation, supination. The foot actually has three arches, not just one. Most people think of the arch of the foot as this inner arch uh, on the big toe side of the foot. But in fact, there's an a subtle arching on the outside edge of the foot and a transverse or a crossways arch under that saddle that I was talking about before. So three arches. And what what happens when a foot moves adaptably is that it comes down into the lateral arch the outside edge arch, and that arch is stable. It's strong because there are only four bones. Well, there's some little toe bones, but in the main part of the foot, there are only four bones involved in the outside arch. So it's a stable kind of place to to rest your foot for an instant. And then it rolls, your, your weight rolls towards the inner edge, towards the pronation into a pronation movement. Mm -hmm. Across that transverse arch. Across that transverse arch. And then let's just stick with that much to start with. So there's a movement from outside to inside as the foot uh, comes down into the heel and then steps into the stance phase, the, the middle phase of the gait. So what happens with flat feet and high rigid arches is that the foot gets fixed in one in either pronation or supination and it it doesn't have the capability across that mid-tarsal arch the upper part of the saddle shoe it it doesn't have the capability to rotate back and forth it just gets stuck in one area or the other what I'm hearing is that I've often thought about, well, I actually don't usually think about how I walk or or the movement that my foot is making. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is that there is this, it's a, uh, it's not a twist. How would I say? It's almost like a spiral. Exactly. Yay. It's a spiral. <laughs> so our feet are constantly making this spiral motion. 
going from yes. the outside across the transverse arch to the inside. And, That's um, right. And if something gets stuck in that spiral, then, well, as you mentioned earlier, for people that are flat-footed, uh, they'll, you know, it, they'll feel, you can feel into the um, inside part of your leg. It'll actually, you'll feel a tension that goes up to your knee. And so my suspicion, I've actually seen this in my practice with acupuncture, that if there's an issue with how the foot's moving, the knee often will suffer. Absolutely. Yeah. Either the knee or the or hip, the hip yep. or the low back or even the neck. Mm-hmm. Because the spiral that is that with which we meet the ground, we meet the ground with a spiral. Let me guess. This is going to propagate through our bones, through our fascia, connective tissue, tendons, everything, and, and go as a waveform through our body. Exactly. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was concerned about this because I thought, how in the world can I talk about the biomechanics of the feet on the radio, you know, <laughs> and try to make a picture of it? But the foot is a propeller, you see, this way. The foot is a propeller. I never, <laughs> I like that. The foot is a propeller. Yeah. 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 Okay, but most, you know, many people don't have a propeller. They have either a hoof or a flipper. Okay, yeah. Tell us more about hooves and flippers. Well, the hoof would be the high rigid arch that lives on the outside edge of the foot and only pushes off at the last minute with the big toe joint, mm-hmm. the joint, the joint between the metatarsal and the first phalange so it's the mp joint and that's the place where lots of people get stress can kind of imagine going along the outside arch of your foot and not rolling in uh, the way the foot should do until the very last minute of push-off in which there's a great deal of pressure on that first big toe joint is this where is this where things like bunions come from yeah. See, I don't have to tell you anything. <laughs> That's where I was going. Okay. Yeah. So, so that would be exacerbated if the person is walking with externally rotated thighs, as many people do. Just a slight turnout in the thighs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then if they go from outside edge to outside edge, uh, from one foot to the other, and then they push off from the big toe joint. It's, it's as if the midline of the foot is no longer straightforward between the heel and maybe the third toe. That would be the midline of the foot around which the foot should spiral. Mm-hmm. But if the foot is slightly turned out, then that midline beco- is a diagonal line. And the weight goes on the outside back edge of the heel across that oblique line and puts a whole lot of pressure on that first MP joint. I I suspect, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, plantar fasciitis could also be one of the things that arises out of this kind of a situation. Is this this correct? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, Oh, yeah. About bunions, though, I, I, I need to say that there seems to be a genetic component in the people that I see that have bunions. Usually somebody in their family has had bunions as well. 
And the other thing that makes them worse, of course, is shoes that are very tight across the toes and they, you know, bend the feet inwards. Mm. So what's horrifying is that there are surgeons in cities usually that will do surgery on the feet so that they can fit into pointy-toed high heel shoes. So this is um, a class thing, right? It would only be people who do not have to walk that have this kind of surgery. But from my perspective, as a person who looks at how the whole body flows, once there's a surgical intervention in the foot, such that the foot can no longer even approximate that rotary kind of motion, then up above is a very stiff-looking body. It may be, I'm talking about women who are trying to improve their body image through external means. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what I see is a, a very stiff movement with usually one area that's hypermobile. So quite, quite often that will be around L5 or L4. So you'll see the hips sway or rotate a lot. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a lot of sort of bun activity. Well, that would be very sexy. Exactly. Well, that's what we've come to think is sexy. Do you know? But these are women who have no feet well, and hypermobility in the lower back is probably going to cause some issues downstream. Yeah. Anyway, it becomes a vicious circle. Yes. Okay. And so, but just to continue about the movement of the foot, where I left off with it was that when we take a step, and I encourage people to go back and listen to this, kind of stand up and see if they can feel what I'm talking about, because otherwise it's just extremely abstract and not very interesting. <laughs> but if you stand and put your heel down on the ground in front of you and feel how you come down slightly on the outside edge of your foot and then see if you can roll as you begin to t actually shift your weight so that you're taking weight into that foot, you're now standing over it, you've rotated at that upper saddle shoe joint, the mid-tarsal joint, you've rotated towards the big toe side of the foot. But now the fun really begins. Oh, and by the way, I just stood up and tried this. Okay, so you're standing with your weight has done this. Yeah, my foot naturally does strike toward the outside. And as I move forward, I, I can feel that sort of propeller rotation that you're talking about. Right. So curious. How could I live this many years and not notice that? Well, because you wear shoes. <laughs> and because, because we walk on flat surfaces. And our, these are sensory organs, these feet. And we've, you know, we don't need to use them as sensory organs. So they become amnesiac. And so now you're waking them up a little bit. So anyway, here you are, you've, you've rotated across that upper rotary joint, and now you're about ready to swing the other leg forward and push off with whatever foot you started. 
And that push-off is an interesting moment because after you've pronated, a healthy will actually move slightly back into supination and kind of gather up or dome up through that transverse arch through the saddle so that there's a kind of um, almost like a little trampoline under the front part of your foot, not including the toes, although the toes extend out from it. But there's like a little, um, yeah, a little, little trampoline that is, it's right under the metatarsals. And that, when you push off, that gives you a resilience, kind of a real push off. Puts a, puts a little spring in your step. Spring in your step. And that transverse arch breaks down in so many people. It breaks down if you have um, high rigid arches. It breaks down because you don't use it. And if you have pronated feet or so-called flat feet, it breaks down because you don't use it. You're just rolling through the, through the inner arch of the foot. So one of the th- big things I teach people when I'm uh, working with their feet is to rediscover the transverse arch. Now, what has been taught traditionally in um, physical therapy or you know, foot exercises is to put some kind of cloth or um, towel or something underneath the feet and sort of scrunch up with the toes as a way of raising that transverse arch. The problem with that exercise is that the emphasis is on the toes. And what happens is the person will, will just exercise the undersides of the toes. And that doesn't reach the place that is underactive. So how do we get to that? Well, how you get to that would be to strongly imagine, let's see if I can figure out how to say this. If you put your, bend down and put your hand across the tarsometatarsal joint. So where is that for our listeners so that are anatomists? Yeah, where that is is hard even if you are an anatomist to feel. But let me see if I can say. It would be about two-thirds down from the back of your heel. Okay. So if you divide, divide your foot into three parts, the heel is a third, mm-hmm. and the toes plus metatarsals would be a third. So that central third is what I'm talking about. Okay. And it's the, the joint between the central third and the front third that needs to be reinvigorated. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you. If you have a health concern, or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. Are 
basically describing an acupuncture point called bubbling spring, kidney one, beginning in the kidney channel. <laughs> just saying. Fantastic. Yeah, just. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Bubbly one. Well, all right. So I, I love it. So what you would do then, I've got my foot up on a table, so it's easy to talk about it. Or you could be sitting and bend down and have your fingers right across where you think that joint is. And I, and I think, you know, if you're unclear, Google um, tarso metatarsal joint and you'll find lots of images. Yeah, you know what, we're going to put it on the show notes so people can find it really easily. Okay. Yeah. So what you would do would be to press down with the pads of your toes in a way that lets you feel or imagine that that tarsometatarsal joint comes up into your fingers. Yeah. So you are doming the front half of your foot. And and the toes are the toes are part of it, but the toes don't shorten, they don't scrunch. They just press down. The pads of the toes just press down. That's hard for somebody who has the habit of clawing with the toes, which is very common if this part of the foot that I'm talking about doesn't work. You know, you don't have the clasping motion of the midfoot, then what you will do is claw with your toes in order to, you know, feel balanced. Yeah, I, I can feel this. And just the, even the use of your language, instead of scrunching to just bring them down, mm-hmm. right? it's a very small, subtle, yet um, it makes all the difference in the world as to how it feels. And as I do this, my foot gets tired really fast. Yeah. It's, it's not unlike learning sounds in a new language. And mm-hmm. your tongue gets tired really fast because it's just not used to moving that way. And there are muscles that, I mean, they've just, they're basically dormant. They're not awake. That's exactly what this is about, is yeah. waking them up. Waking them up so you feel them. And so I would say it would, if you wanted to practice this, you would practice it and become aware of being tired. Okay, and then... Stand up and just feel your foot. And that's an important moment because that's when your brain begins to record a new map of what your foot is. Okay, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. This is weird because I just did what you said to do, which is stand up after doing this. Uh Uh-huh. And my foot feels bigger. Well... That's because it is bigger. In my brain, it's bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's the important part of any of the exercises that I teach, is that moment where you allow the brain to take note of it. Because it doesn't matter how many rote repetitions of anything that you do, nothing will happen unless you enter that sensory participatory place in yourself that uh, allows the brain's natural plasticity to make a difference. So we're not just training our feet. 
or I'm going to put this in air quotes, exercising the muscles and joints right. and that sort of thing, we are actually changing the neurological connections in the brain by doing yes. this. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so feeling, really taking in the sensation is what makes the difference. So like what you said, the difference between scrunching the toes and feeling that shortening under the undersides of the toes, that's a sensation that's pretty familiar to most people, okay? But the idea that the toe pads could press down as if they were making fingerprints, uh-huh. kind of imagine the whorls, uh, the little prints on the bottoms of your pads, then those press down and you could leave an imprint. That it's completely different movement, uses completely different muscles, and it uh, creates a different foot. And it's that different foot that your whole body needs to become familiar with. So it could later on be incorporated into the way that you walk. Um, I wanted to be on my soapbox for half a minute. Oh, Jump right up. <laughs> um, our feet are part of our balancing mechanism. We have three ways in which we um, balance this relatively unstable structure. We're just standing on two stilts, basically. So there are the, the inner ears, which we know have to do with balance, the vestibular system the eyes, and the sensors in the soles of the feet and ankles. So what happens as we age (laughs) is that all of these systems begin to go. And because we're a very visually, increasingly visually uh, oriented culture, we grab tighter and tighter onto the world with the eyes. And our feet, because our feet have been dumbed down from the, you know, the the moment we went to school, we no longer have that resource. So that's one of the factors why you see elderly people so unstable and so forward in their heads is because they're straining to hang on to the world with increasingly poor eyesight and increasingly poor auditory systems. So this is, this is a huge factor in aging. Yes, absolutely. Right, and yes. so... I mean, balance is so often an issue with the elderly. It's, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a primary concern for many, many people. Yeah, so just beginning to do self-massage on the feet or, well, before I go on to say what to do, I I think we need to be as conservative in our care or as maybe not conservative is not the right word, but as uh, careful in the way we take care of our eyes and our ears. As we get older, we would notice a minute right away if we're starting to lose our hearing, we get freaked out. Right, and if our uh, prescription in our glasses changes, right away we're at the the doctor to fix that. 
but something going on with the feet, maybe we'll go down to the drugstore and get some Dr. Scholl's, you know. Or we'll get a um, a lift or an orthotic or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. something to prop us up. Exactly. Or we're, maybe we'll have a, a pedicure, you know. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. You get a foot massage in the deal. That's true. That would actually probably be better, better uh, choice. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is we need to care for our feet from the get-go because they do not last. We live much longer than our caveman ancestors. They died when they were about 30, you know, so, you know, and they were, they were using their feet properly. So it's no wonder that in our 50s, 90% of Americans have foot problems. Yeah, so anyway, about self-care, um, there are lots of self-massage things that are available. And I, whether or not you want to go into the detail of biomechanics of the foot that I described, there is, by the way, um, an online class on my website that's available. And it's called Know Your Feet. And um, I go through a lot of this detail in greater detail. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I'll, and also show how, it's, how it relates to the whole body. We will have uh, links to that up on the show notes, so okay. people that are interested can get access to that. But even if uh, you're not that interested, it, you can take care of your feet by just giving them a few moments of your time every day. So in in December, I posted um, a video about this bamboo massager on YouTube. I think that might have been what attracted you to my to my website, I don't know. You know, I don't think it was the YouTube video, but it was it was something that caught my attention about the bamboo massager, and I went, wow, this is pretty interesting. I got to talk to this woman. <laughs> well, anyway, the bamboo massager is, uh, mine is in front of my um, sink in the bathroom. So putting on makeup, standing there, brushing my teeth, washing my face, it's there. So I can... Um, work on my feet a little bit or take it into the room where the TV is and work with it there. It, um, when I posted that video, I was taken aback in that later I tried to find the Takafumi bamboo massager online and there weren't any. You know, I thought, oh, there'll be, you know, sites for uh, Asian stores all over America should have this, but they didn't. Nothing. Nothing. And... So recently, a friend of mine who's a uh, landscape architect, I was helping her with her feet, and I showed her this this thing, and she got on it, and she said, my garden is full of this bamboo, and I have to clear it out. <laughs> <laughs> so is she making these things? Well, I don't know. She might. She might. You know how it is when you get big ideas, and then it turns out to be a big production. So we're going to do a little test run. But in the meantime, I went online this morning just to see. And sure enough, you can get them on eBay now. In fact, one of my clients, uh, not clients, but a a person who saw that video and wanted help with her feet, she wrote to me that she found one on eBay. So I looked, and sure enough, you can find them on eBay or Amazon. And... According to the Japanese site that I looked at, the green bamboo has an energetic quality 
that imparts, you know, more feeling. So I, I would look for bamboo partly aesthetically, but also maybe it maybe it helps that it's bamboo. But they also have sort of rubbery looking ones. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with these things? Well, you stand on there. And so if you stand, it's like about a half inch high tube, but it's half a tube. And you stand on there with your forefoot planted really in your toes spread out so you can feel the undersides of your toes. Mm -hmm. Now, this is on that video. It's all in the video, Which we're going to have a link to, of course. Yeah, so maybe I don't need to describe it right now. You know, why don't you give us the quick, just give us a quick 35,000 foot view of this, just so people have a sense. So to activate the two joints that I was talking about today, if you stand with your forefoot on the, on the Takafumi and your heel slightly draped over the back, so the heel is not touching the ground, it's just uh, wrapped over the bamboo, and then you can, your um, weight is balanced right over that mid-tarsal joint. And you can pronate and supinate, and you'll feel where the stuckness is, where you are not moving easily. So this wakes up that connection between the three arches. Exactly. And then if you, if you stand the opposite way so that your heel is on the ground and your forefoot is draped over the takafumi, then you can wake up the other joint, the transverse, no, the, yeah, the transverse arch and the tarsometatarsal joint. So it's cool. It does sound cool. How much time do you spend a day doing this? Oh, not much. But I'm, I'm also a little bit um, obsessed about feet. So I have... Really? I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have... Um, a doormat that's made of pebbles. You can get these online, you know, little like Riverstone pebbles. Mm-hmm. And they make them into doormats. And I've put that in front of my kitchen sink. So when I'm standing there, I'm walking on pebbles. And when I'm at the bathroom sink, I'm walking on the Takafumi. So I get a few moments each day throughout the day to let my feet remember what they're really for. I was just thinking about how, by and large, you know, we have sidewalks, we have streets. In terms of, I'm going to say, challenging terrain, unless you're getting out into nature and and getting off the path at that, Mm -hmm. you're probably not experiencing the, the incredible variety of angles and textures and, you know, everything else that is going to require that all the bones and ligaments and muscles and everything in your feet wake up. That's exactly right. There was a, uh, I lived in Taiwan a number of years ago, and one of the things that was such a delight to me when I first got there is you'd, you'd go down a street and the sidewalk in front of each of the stores was different in front of each of the stores, right? It wasn't just this slab of concrete, but sometimes it would go up a bit or it would come down a bit. And the people that had the store in front, maybe maybe it was unadorned. Maybe it had some stones in it. Maybe it had bits of polished glass. I mean, it could have anything. The thing was, is every time you passed a store, you had to pay attention because the ground under your feet on the sidewalk would shift. It may go down. It may go up. It may sway this way. It may curve that way. 
it was always different. So it changed your perception of everything around you, not just your feet. That's right. And I found it, I found it utterly delightful. Yeah, well, shouldn't we be delighted by life? Well, I, I think so. And, and I'm telling you, <laughs> the sidewalks in Taiwan will bring you that delight. Now, I, I could imagine here in the United States, if you had an area that had this kind of a thing, I mean, there'd probably be lawsuits, for goodness sakes, yeah. because right. it, mm-hmm. true, it is not friendly to people that are alter-abled. There is that. And, but, I mean, that's a, that, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it really forced me to pay attention. With every couple of steps, I had to pay attention because the ground under my feet literally would shift. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot is being made these days about standing desks, you know, sitting is the new smoking. You know, you've heard yes, that. Yes, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, so. I'm a two pack a day smoker these days. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I've just, I mean, I I sit a fair amount is what I'm saying. That's what I I know. That's what I, you know, so, so do we all. And so I told you earlier, I'm starting to write a new book. And so I thought I cannot, I have to figure out a standing desk and I, I have a laptop and I figured out a shelf that's pretty much the right height in my office area. So I can unplug the desktop and move it over there so that I could be standing. And then I tried that for a while and I thought, okay, this works because, you know, I've worked on my body a lot through all various decades and I, and I can stand comfortably. However, I was standing on concrete because this room is in the basement. Ah. Okay. So flat really. And so I figured out what could I do in a hurry I mean, I could, I could get one of those pebble mats that I'm talking about, and I think I will do that. But in the meantime, I got an old camping mat that's, you know, got a little bit of cushioning, but not, not a lot, you know, what you would use mm-hmm. out in the mountains. Yeah. And on top of that, I put this piece of <laughs> artificial grass. <laughs> okay. Somebody, somebody had given me that for some reason. I don't remember. It's very textured. Exactly. So that's, yeah, so that's what I'm standing on as I speak with you, actually. <laughs> yeah. this. So, so if you're thinking of doing a standing desk, and yes, and, I mean, I think that's a great idea. I've, I've given that a lot of thought myself, um, how I can reorganize my desk. An important consideration that I'm hearing from you is, is consider what it is that you're standing on. Exactly. Yeah. So this sounds like another way of waking up the feet. This standing posture as we do our work is another Mm -hmm. way to wake up the feet. It is if your feet are given something to feel. You know, if you're just standing there, I'm not so sure. You know, I mean, I guess it's, it's better than not at all. If you're standing on concrete wearing shoes, that's, I, you know, I don't know. Somebody will do studies. You know, but I, I've seen some kind of gizmo that that somebody came up with that actually makes you move while you're standing there or like a treadmill kind of thing. I, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. I think I'd have a hard time doing a treadmill and trying to get my work done. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I think it's it's not just you. I think it's anybody because 
And you could be on a treadmill and talk on the phone, I suppose. But then treadmills, you see, they they don't give you any feedback. They are manipulating your body. They they have a rhythm that is not necessarily yours. And there's no sensory no sensory interest in the surface. Right. You know? And it sounds like a big piece here. And that's a great phrase, sensory interest. Mm-hmm. That adding in some sensory interest will naturally help to wake the feet up because you're actually engaging the brain when you add sensory interest. Yes, that's the whole, that's the secret, is to <laughs> engage the part of the brain that takes in sensation. Hang on a second, I've got a lawnmower going on outside my window. I want to go close the window. I'll be right back and then we'll, then we'll do a wrap-up. Okay. okay. Talk about sensory deprivation. There's a guy on one of these lawnmowers that it pulls him behind it. He's on these little wheels. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just like drives the lawnmower around and he's just pulled behind it. Yeah. Very different than pushing your lawnmower. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, Mary, any, uh, first of all, thank you again for being back on the show and digging deeply into the feet here. This is great stuff. Any final closing remarks or thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap this thing up today? Oh, just uh, your feet are not decorative and they're doing the best they can. You know, whatever structural problems they may have or insults you've caused them during your past life, they are doing the best they can and they need your respect And your understanding, I think it's really important to understand the elegance and the intricacy of this part of the body really can make a difference to your life if you do that. Yeah, we we wouldn't treat our other sensory organs this way, would we? No, no. And I I love the idea in the feeling actually the embodied feeling of my feet as sensory organs that that just gives me a whole new way of moving into my day and thinking about my movement even good yeah so wonderful to have you here and we'll have all this good stuff on the show notes page so people can find it and they can find you your work and uh you know your video on the feet as well yes thank you great thanks mary thank you it's been fun talking as always Hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.